0: If you would, open up your Bibles to Matthew 25 and then turn over to Revelation chapter 3. We talk about the rest of the world going to hell, but what about those of us here in this room today? It's a hard question to ask. It's a difficult one to ponder. But it's one that we would be derelict if we didn't take on. Well, let's see what God's word has to say about this in Revelation 3. And I'm going to start reading verse 14. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, The words of the amen. This is um, the way the Bible says mic drop. All right, so the, the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness... The beginning of God's creation. This is what he has to say. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. I would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you knowing that you're here in our presence. Lord, we've come singing, asking that your Holy Spirit would rain down upon us as a church and on us as individuals. And Lord, I just ask that you would take over uh, this message and deliver it as you see fit. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just speak to the hearts of those that hear the message and allow us to walk out of here praising you even more. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Well, there's 28 days left in 2018. <laughs> less, less than that and Christmas is upon us. If you are in the retail business, you are uh, dreading the inventory that's about to come. You are hoping that your Christmas sales go through the roof, that there's nothing left to count, and that you can have that done in 30 minutes instead of 30 hours or maybe even 30 days. Just like the retailers are going to take inventory, um, we need to take inventory. We need to take inventory of our spiritual lives. And the question I present to you today is this Are you a curious Christian? Are you a casual Christian? Or are you a committed Christian? Now, Revelation 3, in these verses, they recognized all three of those. They said there's a group that is lukewarm, and that's the casual Christian. There was a group that was cold, that's the curious Christian. And then there was a group that was hot, and that is the committed Christian. And probably each one of us fall into one of those categories, or or maybe we're not in any of those categories. So let's take inventory. What does the curious Christian look like? Well, the curious Christian looks like this. They know what is right, but they choose not to do it. The curious Christian knows what they're supposed to be doing, and yet they intentionally decide not to partake in that, not to act out on those good works that the Lord has directed and guided and brought into their hearts. Not only do they know what is right to do but they also know what is wrong and still choose to do it. They choose to ignore to do the good things and they choose to continue to bask in the bad things that Jesus Christ died on the cross to deliver us from. And what you see, a casual Christian is living in a season of disobedience. Now, I'm really not here to talk to them this morning. And if, um, you know, here's what the casual Christian looks like. They have probably lived a life that nobody could indict them as being a Christian this past week. But they'll come on Sunday. Maybe a friend invited them. Maybe somebody forced them. Maybe they just feel a little tinge of guilt. And they're here. Probably not going to hear anything beyond this message. Except for the last amen. And, And that's okay. That's what happens. That's what the curious Christian's life is like. And the, the Lord is working in their life and most of the time they're oblivious to that. They don't realize that what God is doing. They don't realize that that person who cut them off or they don't realize when that um, predicament happens at their house or at their job or with a friend or a family member. They don't realize that that's the Lord and the Holy Spirit working on them. And so they continue to walk through this season of disobedience and oblivion. But, but I'm not here to speak to them today. I think the Lord will take care of that and get their attention. And when he does, they'll know that it's the Lord because he doesn't whisper to them. What I do want to talk about is the casual Christian, the lukewarm Christian. See, the casual, lukewarm Christian, they believe the message of the gospel. They believe that Jesus Christ has died on the cross, that he had lived a perfect life, and that three days later, he was risen from the dead. They believe that. However, they're not sold out on that message. They're okay with the the knowledge that they have that they are going to spend eternity in heaven. They have zero or little interest in helping somebody else find out about that same good news. That's a casual Christian. A casual Christian lives in a season of comfort. Oh, Life is good for them. They, 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 they make it through the, the rockiness of the week, but at the end of the day, life is good. Matter of fact, in Revelations 3 and verse 17, this is what they say. I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing. They're very comfortable. But he also warns them that they don't realize that they are wretched, pitiable, poor blind, and naked. You see, because they're in that comfort zone, they feel like everything's going to be okay. But what they don't realize is that the very Savior who gave his life, who left heaven, came down, thought it not robbery to be in the form of God, and took on the form of a man was beaten and persecuted for their sins. They don't realize that what he says about them is they're wretched and pitiable. Why? Not because uh, they're not going to heaven, but because they are going to heaven and they're not doing anything to help anyone else. They're the person who at the Titanic got a life raft and didn't help anyone else. The casual Christian, what they call playing it safe, God calls wicked. If you would, turn in your Bibles. If, if you put that bookmark in Matthew chapter 25, let me read a couple verses to you. And I'll start and read in verse 14. It says, for it, will, and it, it says, for it will be like a man going on a journey. Now, what is it? If you look back in verse 1 of Matthew 25, it says this. Then the kingdom of heaven... So here, for it, the kingdom of heaven will be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one, he gave five talents. To another, two, and to another, one. Now, what's interesting is if you don't understand what a talent is, um, this was a measurement of money back in Jesus' day. And it was basically the equivalent of 95 pounds of gold. Or if we put that in modern day, that's $1.7 million each talent. Or um, an easier way to think about this is that it was 20 years of a day laborer's wage. So if, let's just say here in Centralia, a day laborer's wage would be $20,000 a year. One talent would be $400,000. And it would be easier for me to do this public math with you using $400,000. So the person who had received five talents, how much money, if one talent was worth $400,000, did they receive? $2 million. Very easy. The person who had uh, two talents, how much did he receive? $800,000, that's right. And the person receiving one talent, how much money were they given? $400,000. If you add that all up, it's $3.2 million. Not an insignificant amount of money, especially at that time. And so the uh, master has given them this money. And here's what's interesting in verse 15. It says, to each according to his ability. Now, you may be sitting here today and selling yourself short, telling you that the reason why you don't get involved, the reason why you don't tell somebody about Jesus, the reason why you couldn't be indicted by your behavior as being a Christian is that you're not good enough, that you haven't done enough, that there's so many things wrong with you. You you, you repeat this story to yourself, and you listen to it. And based on, here's what I can tell you, based on your ability, God has given you talent. He doesn't want all of you up here on the podium. He doesn't want all of you to be behind the piano or the keyboard or playing on the bass guitar or the acoustic guitar or being one of the vocalists. But he does have a place that he wants you to serve. And he's gifted you for that place. You probably even know what it is but have sold yourself short. And it says, then he went away. And then in verse 16, he who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. How much money did he have? Two million dollars, and how much did he end up with? Four million dollars. I'd like to know that guy. I wish he came to Temple Baptist Church, and I really wish he tithed. So also he who had two talents made two talents more. He started off with 800,000, and he finished with 1.6 million. But he who had received the one talent, went, dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time OK, let, let me just ask you, how long's a long time? Just. Sh- Shout it out. Every, I'm going to ask one more time. I'm going to say, how long is a long time? And you just shout out what you think a long time is, all right? this Hopefully it will be interesting. Um, what is a long time? Okay, so I, I heard a year. I heard five years. Let's try this one more time. You've got to be a little louder, okay, if you didn't say one of those. How long is a long time? Uh, 25 years. I think it was multiple years, maybe five years, 20 years. I think it was a long time. Why do I think it was a long time? Because that's what the Bible says. (laughs) Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward. You know he's happy, right? And he had received the five talents, came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was, what? I was afraid. Folks, that is what the, the epidemic going throughout our church, going throughout our country in the Christian community is one of fear. We as Christians have crippled ourselves, have paralyzed ourselves because we think that it's about us and what we do, what we can accomplish, who we are. And as soon as we do that, we take Jesus Christ and put him in the background. But what Jesus says is this, if you if my name will be lifted high, I will draw all men to me. That's what we need to do as Christians. So when somebody at work points out to the fact that you didn't live like a Christian this week, they heard you cuss. They heard what you said about that person. They saw your Facebook post. Jesus said, I died for that. I forgive you. See, your friends at work don't understand that concept. They think that once you become a Christian, they, they think, Jamie, that once you get baptized, you, you'll be perfect. Nothing, life is, as a matter of fact, everywhere you walk, there's going to be beautiful music sounding. You're going to get a pay raise at work. You're going, everything in life is about to get better. Why? Because you are now a Christian. That's not what Jesus says. He says, because of my name, people are going to hate you. So it doesn't matter... Whether you're a lukewarm Christian or a hot Christian, the world is going to hate you because you take the name of Jesus. And what we need to do is overcome that fear. And here's what he finished saying. I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here, have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. Whoa. Whoa. Now, why in the world would it say that? Why would Jesus call the one who buried the talent wicked? I mean, he didn't lose any of the money. It was safe and sound in the bank account, in a mutual fund. No, in the ground. But he didn't lose anything. Matter of fact, uh, what wicked thing had he done? He didn't steal anything with it. He didn't use it for a uh, Anything bad, he didn't go and gamble it and try to double his money that way. He didn't spend it on prostitutes and drugs. He gave every shekel back that his master had entrusted him with. But what we learn through this is that there's more than one way to be wicked. You see, you can be wicked by ignoring the Ten Commandments. You know, the cold Christian that knows the right things to do and chooses not to do them. But you can also be wicked by failing to invest your life for God's kingdom. It's what we call the sins of omission. Where we know what we're supposed to be doing and we choose not to do it. But see, here's what's interesting. Nobody ever picks up on that. And What the Bible tells us is that that God calls that wicked. The Bible says to test ourselves. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to offer you a description of what a half-hearted, distracted, partially committed, casual Christian looks like. And then I want to share with you some of the characteristics of this lukewarm Christian. If you've got the note taker that is inside your bulletin, if you pull it out and you look on the back, this is what I'm going to read over to you. It won't be up on the board. You see, the casual Christian wants to be saved from the penalty of their sin, but not delivered from their sin. God is a useful fire escape. They employ not a God that they worship. Romans 6, 1 and 2. And if I were you, if you've got a pen and there should be a pen in front of you, I would write this down because I'm going to give you a Bible reference for each one. Romans 6, 1 and 2. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We die to sin. How long can we live any longer? Not only that, but the casual Christian... Likes people who are doing something for Christ, but they themselves are not doing something for Christ. Matter of fact, the casual Christian probably sees a, a spelling typo right here in this line. You're supposed to laugh at that. If you look. The casual Christian equate their outward, sterile lives with holiness. The Bible tells us in Matthew 23 that, Woe to you. Now, here's what's interesting. Woe to you in the Bible means this. Wait, Just wait till your dad gets home. Does anyone ever get told that? All right, my sister used that one on me a lot. I had an older sister, about three years, and, and she used to beat me up. I mean, she'd hurt me. And I would tell her that you just wait until dad gets home. And I just, I couldn't wait till Dad gets home because I knew he was going to take care of business. And then, again, I was uh, three years younger than my older sister. And here's what's interesting. Our, my mom and dad, where they parked, was about 60 yards away from the house. And there was a, a, a grassy area there. And so we could see them park the car and walk in. And, you know, I didn't pick up on this when I was a little guy. But my sister would wait until they pulled in. And then she said, she'd, she'd start making a deal with me. She said, look. If you won't tell dad, I won't tell dad. I'm like, well, what are you going to tell dad? She goes, you know what you did. (laughs) And just like the Christian, just like the guy with the one talent, I was afraid. Because I know I had done a lot of bad things. And I do not know which one she was talking about. (laughs) And so all of a sudden, right as they're walking up the steps, right about to put the key in the door, I say, okay. And I shake her hand. And mom and dad would come in and they're like, where'd that scratch come from, Ronnie? uh, You know, I fell down playing. Where'd that bruise come from? Well, you know, so I'm starting to make up stuff. You know, I think that this is exactly what when he says, woe to you, just wait till your dad gets home. Here's what Jesus is saying. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs which look beautiful on the outside, avoiding sin but on the inside are full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. In the way on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, when it comes to the mission of Christ, you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. The casual Christian rarely shares their faith with their neighbors, co-workers, or friends. Matthew 10, 32 and 33 says, Whosoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whosoever disowns me before men, I will disown him. Before my Father in heaven. The casual Christian thinks about life on earth more than eternity in heaven. In Philippians chapter 3 and verse 18 and 20, it tells us, For as I have often told you before, and now say even again with tears, many lives or many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. The casual Christians crave their comfort and rarely give in a truly sacrificial way. First Chronicles 29, 14, But who am I, and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. You know, a lot of times we think about giving and we think about, you know, what we're doing for God and, and forget to realize that God has given to us in such a way that all it, it is our privilege to be able to give back to him. The casual Christians structure their lives so that they never live by faith. They rarely feel desperate and need God's help. 1 Timothy 6, 17 and 18 says this. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, not to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides with us or provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. The casual Christians give God their leftovers, not their first and best. I don't know, maybe you're at that point in this week where you're done. With Thanksgiving leftovers Friday it was okay Saturday it was all right but man by Sunday and now it's next Sunday and some of you gonna get leftovers and and forgive me if you're if you're serving leftovers today but your family don't want them let me tell you this that your Savior doesn't want them either your Savior who owns a cattle on a thousand hills he doesn't need your leftovers don't convince yourself that, you know, what you're doing is what God needs. What God is really concerned about is your relationship with him. See, that's what giving is really all about. It's a heart issue. It has nothing to do with our wallets. It has nothing to do with the other things that we invest in the kingdom. And what I would encourage you is to stop calling our complacency and apathy a busy schedule. Stop calling it bills. Stop calling it forgetfulness. Call it what God calls it, and it's evil. Go back to Matthew twenty-five and verse twenty-eight. It says, "So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more, be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away, and ca- and cast the worthless servant into outer darkness." In that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You may be asking yourself, is that saying what I think it's saying? I believe the Bible tells us this. That there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. But I also believe that there's many people who are going to walk through their lives thinking that they're a Christian. Thinking that they have a relationship with God and have never experienced salvation and one day they're going to be separated from God and spending an eternity in hell that's why we cannot be casual Christians well the third category is committed Christians hot Christians these are the people who are on fire for God Matthew 13, says this, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes, sells all that he has, and buys the field. Now, I don't know how ethical that is, but if uh, you were looking for some property, and you find, uh-oh, there's oil rights on here, and there's a bunch of oil under the ground, you sell everything you have to go purchase that land. That's what the Bible tells us heaven is like. What are you willing to sell for that eternity in heaven? Only you can answer that question. See, this man knew that he had stumbled upon the kingdom of heaven. He knew that what he had stumbled upon was more valuable than anything he had. So he went for it with everything in him. The second thing about a committed Christian is you don't wonder if they're hot or cold. All right. So uh, not too long ago, my wife had made me a broth to take to work. And we had this super phenomenal thermos. And she had poured the hot broth in there. And about 2 or 3 o'clock, I don't remember what time it was, I opened it up. And there was a little smoke coming out. And I was thinking, oh, 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 the temperature is going to be perfect. And I drank it without thinking twice. And all of the cells in my mouth melted. Melted. Did you? D- there were six people sitting around me. Do you think they had to wonder whether or not that was hot? Oh, they knew, because what I say—that's hot, <laughs> folks. The committed Christian, you don't have to wonder. If you're wondering, are you hot or cold? Um, I know which one you're probably not. And the truth is, you probably know that too. And the last thing about a committed Christian is they're living in a season of being totally in love with Christ. That's what obedience looks like. So let me ask you this. If you took an inventory of your life in 2018, would you describe yourself as the one who's totally in love with Christ? Or do the words casual, half-hearted, lukewarm, partially committed fit better? You know, there's three ways that we can invest our talents. And that's our time, our talents, and our treasure. You know, when it comes to our time, if we looked at your calendar, would it back up the words that say you declare Jesus as Lord? Or would it be just a side note throughout the year? If we looked at the talent, the skills that you have, have you offered your abilities, no matter your age, as an investment into the kingdom of God? Or do you find yourself... Finding other things that you invest your talents in. And then finally, treasure. When you look at your giving, can you say that you are all in with the mission of God? These aren't questions I have to answer for you. These are questions you get to answer. And just because we go to church, it doesn't mean that we're a Christian. Just because we call ourselves a Christian does not mean that we're going to heaven. And And I understand this. We all struggle with seasons of being lukewarm. Matter of fact, if you'll come back on December 30th, I'm going to share a message where I went through a season like that. A little bit of cold, then a little bit of lukewarm. We all struggle with seasons where we treat our Christianity very casually. We all struggle and strive to maintain a commitment with Jesus Christ as a committed follower. You know, we say we struggle by saying we love Jesus. And that he's a part of our lives. But the problem is he's only a part of our lives. And we don't give him all of our lives. See, the casual Christian gives just a little bit of their time, a little bit of their money, a little bit of their thoughts, but they don't allow Jesus to control their lives. That's too far. And the fundamental question is this, have you personally engaged in the mission of God? Are you offering your time, talent, and treasure? as a blank check to him. Ray talked about faith last week. The Bible tells us faith without works is dead. If you ever want to know if you have faith, there's works that go along with that. There's evidence of that faith. That faith, that substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, there's something that comes along with that faith. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life and we would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ simply go to www.tbccentralia.com forward slash next. You see here at TBCC it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight.